<clears throat> Evening again. Well, thanks to Paul for leading us in that time of, of worship uh, and carol singing. Um, tonight, what we're going to do uh, is take some time to focus on the last two readings, um, which were the two parts of Matthew chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through to 23. Uh, over the last four weeks, uh, as a church, we've been thinking about this theme, this topic of, of hope. Um, what does it mean for us to carry hope in our own lives? Uh, we thought about the danger uh, of putting hope in the wrong things. Uh, during our time in December, we've spent time every week recognising that ultimately hope is a person and his name is Jesus. Uh, and what we're going to do for a short time tonight is look at one individual and one group of people, both who had hope in and hope for what were in reality two completely different things. Uh, and so, so different were these hopes, so opposed these hopes were to one another. Uh, that what transpired was actually a matter of life and death. Uh, Matthew chapter 2 is a story of Jesus' birth, and in particular it's a story of what happened after Jesus was born, when the wise men came to visit him. And there are a couple of things we need to understand about this story before we start, uh, and we can so often fail to see this because of Christmas tradition, because of Christmas myth. Um, we often just take the kind of cultural understanding of Christmas and make that our understanding. Uh, firstly, as we think about this story, Matthew chapter 2, this is a story of the wise men visiting Jesus after he was born, but it's not immediately after he was born. It's not weeks or even months after his birth. Most likely it's around two years after his birth. And secondly, spoiler alert, nowhere do we read that there were three wise men. Um, there may in fact have been three wise men the Bible never tells us that. All we understand from the text was that there were three gifts. So it could have been one wise, man, one wise man carrying all three gifts and the rest of them are just chilling out on this journey. Um, but the text doesn't tell us there were three wise men. And the text highlights the fact that Jesus would have been around two. So I mention this to begin with because in reality we can so often carry our own assumptions when we open up a Bible and we start reading it. And we can carry assumptions about the Bible based on things that we have heard before, based on our own preferences, based on what we feel is just right. Our assumptions may be small, like these ones, but make no mistake, our assumptions about God, about faith, about what it means to be a Christian, can so often take us away from who Jesus is and who God has called us to be, what it means to be a Christian. So I would hope from tonight that we would walk away from our time having a much clearer picture of Jesus, who he is, and what he has done. And I would hope tonight that we would have a much clearer picture of what it means for you and I to actually follow him, to actually walk in step with him, with his plan and purpose. That assumptions would be put to the side, that we would see what the Bible says, that we would hear it, and I mean truly, truly hear it. Also that we could meet with God in a way that says, with all that you are, Emmanuel, God is with me. Or Emmanuel, God is with us. It was such a joy for us to be able to sing, to hear God's word. And there was a real sense in my own heart that God was with us as we heard what the Bible said and as we sang together and declared all that God was and all that God is. So this chapter, Matthew 2, is a story of two different hopes. One hope is inward and downward. The second hope is outward and upward. It's a hope of Herod and it's a hope of the wise men. And I want us tonight to take each of these in turn. So first of all, the hope of King Herod. 
Have a look at what Matthew writes at the beginning of chapter 2 in verses 1 to 2. He says this. He says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born King of the Jews? For we saw his star at its rising and have come to worship him. Now God has spoken. God has clearly spoken to these wise men. They go to Herod, one of the most powerful men in the land, and they say, we have come to worship this king who has just been born. And have a look at what Matthew writes in verse 3. It's an interesting take on what happened. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. Now, it's an obvious question for us tonight. Why is Herod disturbed by this news? In fact, the truth is, he's more than disturbed. He's deeply disturbed. Throughout the Gospels, as the angels or different individuals encounter others, and they start to tell the Christmas story, they start to unpack all that God was going to do through Jesus. People are in fear at what might happen. People are confused at what has been said. And alongside these emotions, people actually, in spite of their fear and confusion, they surrender to what God has said through the angels. But here with the example of Herod, what we see for the first time is someone who is undeniably threatened by what God is going to do. You see, Herod is disturbed by this news because he already has a king to worship. He already has a God in his heart. He already lives for someone else. And it's himself. Herod lives for himself. Herod worships himself. Herod's king is Herod. Now you hear the name Herod and you think to yourself, he's a really bad cat. <coughs> he massacred young boys. He led the people of Israel with an iron fist. His leadership was about fear and intimidation. But the truth is, even though you and I might not resemble Herod in terms of the scale of his evil, in terms of his extremity of evil, you and I have a little bit of Herod inside us. To some extent, you and I resemble Herod in our hearts. If you're, really, if you're being really, really honest with yourself tonight, if you look deep down into what is actually going on inside, despite what you might present to other people, is it not the case that often you are the king of your own life? Often you are the god of your own life? Often in reality you serve you because this is what drives our heart. This is what governs our heart. And it's not just some, it's not just that some of us here tonight uh, think this or, or understand this. This is what we all do, it's not just a, a group of people, it's every single one of us. This is who all of us are. And we all have this propensity in our heart to live for someone or something else. And more often than not, to live for ourselves. To be men and women who are like Herod. To be men and women who are king of our lives. So Herod is disturbed. He's disturbed. What does he do next? Well, first of all, he gains more information about who this king was from the Old Testament through his advisors, Herod had no biblical knowledge of who this king was. And he discovers that this king is, is the Messiah, the promised one from the words of the Old Testament prophets. And with that information, he uses a wise man as bait. He wants him to direct him to Jesus, not so that he can worship Jesus, but so that he can kill Jesus. And is it not the case that to a greater or lesser degree, this can be you and I? also. The truth is, we do not want Jesus in our lives from time to time. In fact, worse, we want him completely removed from our lives. 
You know, I wake up in the mornings and I'm not immediately thinking about God, about living for God and worshipping God. I'm thinking about myself and about living for myself. Why is this? Because as we've touched on already, we're already living for ourselves. It's in our hearts. We already see ourselves as king of our lives. I know without question that that was and that can be my own story from time to time. Therefore, I'm in absolutely no doubt this is your story as well. We would all rather live under our own lordship and authority and not the authority of Christ. And I say all of that, I recognise this is a, a nice Christmas service and I'm sharing all of this. I say all of that in love, recognising that we all need to understand who Jesus is and we all need to respond in faith to him. The Bible describes this rebellion, this rejection of God and Jesus in one very simple word, sin. We would much rather go our own way and do our own thing than go his way and follow his will and follow his plan and purpose. And the truth is it doesn't need to be like this because what Matthew presents us with in the midst of this story is a group of individuals who are the complete opposite of the hope that Herod carried in his heart. So as we've already read, these wise men come from the east because God has led them there. And I hope we understand that this wasn't the wise men's idea. They, dis they decided to go to Israel and worship Jesus because God called them to do this. God led them to do this. It wasn't like they mustered this up in their hearts to go and pursue Jesus and find him. They're sent by Herod to Bethlehem. And we read what are tremendously powerful words in Matthew's gospel. Have a look at what Matthew says in verses 9 to 11. I've been so challenged the last few days as I've taken time to look at these words and meditate on them. We read this from Matthew. After hearing the king, they went on their way, speaking of the wise men. And there it was, the star they had seen at its rising. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You know, Matthew shows us what people are capable of through the example of Herod. Through Herod, we see a worship of self. We see a lust for power, a longing to be in control, a desire to be God. But Matthew also shows us through these wise men of what God is capable of as he is at work in our lives. And there's no doubt here that God is at work in the lives of the wise men. God leads them by the star and the star stops right at where Jesus was, verse 9. When they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy, verse 10. They were overwhelmed with joy. I wonder if that has been your experience. Have you had a moment in your life or moments in your life where you have been overwhelmed with joy as you've thought about all that God is and as you've taken time to consider all that Jesus is and all that Jesus has done for us. When they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. Verse 10, they saw Jesus and they fell to their knees and they worshipped him. So you can see these wise men, they got it. They, they understood what it meant to worship Jesus, not just with your head, but with your heart, with all that they were. They came before Jesus and they recognized he was who people said he was. He was God. This is not something that the wise men created in their lives. Their hope was clearly in Jesus and this hope did not come from the wise men. 
So as you think about what it means to follow Jesus, it's not something that you do. It's something that God does in your life. Their hope came from God himself. He was at work in their hearts. He was at work in their minds. He was at work in their wills and their desires. And they had what? They had hope. They had hope. So I wonder tonight, would you like that kind of relationship with God? One where you find yourself overwhelmed with joy. One that causes you to literally fall to your knees. One that causes you to worship Jesus with all that you are, for all that he is. One that results in you confidently saying tonight, there is hope. And there is hope because why? His name is Jesus. At the end of verse 11, Matthew tells us, Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And you know, we could come up with all sorts of ideas as to what the gold and the frankincense and the myrrh might represent. And there's a number of different ideas as to what these, these presents, these gifts symbolize. They might be right or they might be wrong. We will never know because Matthew never says, Matthew never tells us in this text. What we can say is that these gifts were an outward expression of how much Jesus meant to them inwardly. So it wasn't these wise men buying their favor from God. They were outwardly expressing all that God had done for them within their lives. They already knew that God had loved them and that God had led them to Jesus. And so this was a wise men expressing in their heart their love for God in response. They gave these treasures to Jesus because Jesus had become their treasure. You know, a few weeks ago, um, my son James, he just turned four. Um, he picked up my wallet, which is pretty gubbed. It's pretty tattered and falling apart. And he said, Daddy, Daddy, your wallet is broken. And then he said, follow me. He took me upstairs to a cupboard. Uh, he opened the cupboard. And he took me by the hand. Uh, and he, he picked out this present in the shape of a wallet. And he said, don't worry, Daddy. We've got you a new one. <laughs> he presented it to me. So he hasn't quite grasped the concept of surprise at Christmas and when you should do that. Now, did that ruin anything for me? Was I upset by what James did? Absolutely not. This was one of the most meaningful moments of my life. Why is that? Why? Well, James knows how much I love him. I tell him that every day. But I don't, I don't just tell him that. I show him that every single day. I display that love to him every day. And so in response to, to that love he has received, James wants to show love towards me. So he led me up upstairs to this cupboard and he brought this present out. This was James wanting, wanting to show love to his daddy. And in the same vein, when we talk about Christmas, when we talk about Jesus, when we talk about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, your starting point is not what you can do for God or how much you love God, your starting point always has to begin with God's love for you. Has to start there. It's not about our effort, it's about God's effort for us and our response is one of love. Let me just share these words and this is a verse we've looked at recently as a church and it's so important. The Apostle, the Apostle John describes this, this idea of love in, in this way. He says in 1 John 4 and verse 10, love consists in this, not that we love God, so it wasn't the wise men loving God. It wasn't us loving God, but instead that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. So this Christmas, come to terms with the fact that Jesus came to earth. 
not just to stay as a baby, not just to be a good example for each one of us. Jesus came to earth and he lived this life in order to die for you and for me. And he died in order that he might take the blame for all of our sin and all of the ways in which we've been sinned against, all of the wrong we have done and all of the ways we've been wronged against. Jesus took all of that sin and he put it upon himself. He died on the cross so that we then could receive his love. We could experience his grace and be transformed. And this is how we know God loves us. As John says, we know God loves us because that's how far he went. He went that far to die in our place for our sins so that we could then be in relationship with him. And when you see how God loved you like that, you cannot help but love God in return. There's a number of people in this room who love the Lord and they understand us. They understand what it means to respond to God's love by loving him in return. Most important of all, it's not about what we do. What we do is very important, but it's about why we do it. What is the motive of our hearts? So I would ask you to, to ask yourself that question. Think about this idea of loving God and ask yourself, is my motive right? Is my desire in light of his desire for me and his love for me? Again, from the Apostle John in chapter three and verse one, John says this, previous chapter, see what great love the Father, who is God, see what great love the Father has given us, that we should be called God's children, and we are. <coughs> Let me invite you to encounter God's love tonight, to receive his forgiveness by receiving him and experiencing him in such a way that you then respond by loving him with all that you are. God wants us to move from a place of being like Herod to being wise men and wise women who choose to put God first, who choose to fall on their knees and worship him in reverence and awe. And let me ask, is there any better gift than that at Christmas? We're going to sing a couple of songs. There's going to just be opportunity after our time tonight. I know I've shared a lot there. There's a lot for us to think about and to unpack. Maybe you have questions tonight about what it means to follow Christ, to follow Jesus. If you have any questions, then do speak to myself or speak to someone you know who is a Christian, who loves Jesus. And we would count it a privilege just to chat with you and journey with you as you try to understand what this means. And if you have any questions about faith, about God, about Jesus, about Christmas, again, do speak to us. Happy Christmas, everyone. It's such a joy for us to, to be here tonight. Very warm in here, I recognise that. But what a joy for us to now respond uh, with a couple of songs and to give God thanks for all that he is. Let me pray as we respond in these ways. Father, we, we thank you that, that you are a God who, who wants to take us by the hand and lead us to a place where we see all that you are and we see why you have done what you have done, that you have done all of this because you love us. And I thank you, Lord, that, that we can then respond to that love by loving you. And we just invite Holy Spirit for you to come and to work in hearts and minds to bring transformation in lives so that we would carry what is the most precious and wonderful gift that we could ever receive, the gift of Jesus. We ask all of this in your precious name. Amen. Thanks, guys.